0: And welcome to another episode of the Roost podcast. As always, I'm Carter Spiders here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice sports news and analysis. All right, we are back after another um, uh, month ish long layoff after signing day. Uh, Rice has officially started spring practice uh, for football in 2022, a little later than usual. They're starting kind of around more on, more a normal time here. When uh, in previous years under Bloom, it kind of felt like they uh, they 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 were finishing up by the time everybody else was starting.
1: And it was still cold. They waited an yeah. extra couple weeks and it was like 45 <laughs>
0: degrees and raining on the first day of spring
1: practice uh, again. <laughs> I don't get it. Yes, yeah, so we have we got spring practice to, to work through and kind of, I guess, lay the land. Uh, A couple practices in, so we'll kind of talk some big picture uh, expectations and things we're looking for and kind of hit on some items of note from the news since we've talked to you all. Yeah, like you said, it was about a month ago. It's kind of nice getting back into a a non-COVID adjusted schedule where it's (laughs) uh, football through November and then December and then January for bowl games and then signing day and then spring practice. And there's that little like wedge of time between like May and June where you just think about it and then it's back and it's year round. That's that's what I would like, please.
0: Yeah, some some predictability. Uh hopefully that's uh stays consistent going forward. Um, but yeah, we'll get into a little bit about uh spring practice going out. We got some uh news items to start out. Uh obviously, as usual, please rate review and subscribe to the podcast, share the show with a friend. Um Obviously, uh, you can subscribe to the Patreon to support the site. Uh, Matt will have practice notebooks, features, other things on there that are not available to the general public. Um, Yeah, so uh, we do have a couple of coaching news items uh, to start out with. So uh, former NFL running back uh, and. Was he on the NFL running back, uh, most notably with the Broncos, I think CJ Anderson has been hired as Rice's running backs coach. Yeah, you were right.
1: He was. So he won Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos. He was
0: on that Super Bowl team. I was trying to remember.
1: Yeah. Bloomgren actually mentioned in a conversation I had with him this week. He said, yeah, the last time I saw CJ before interviewing him was as a fan in Super Bowl 50, watching him score a touchdown. I was like, well, that's a pretty cool thing to say about one of your position coaches. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. Honestly, uh, probably a, a big pickup for Rice, the running back room as a whole. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't know if it's the offensive line or the running backs, but the running game, I don't think we've really seen click up to the standard that maybe we would have thought with the, you know, the ground and pound mentality, intellectual brutality coming in. So, I think adding somebody who has done it at the highest level in the NFL and then he was on that that playoff run with the Rams, Anderson was a couple years after mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think he played it for a couple teams before he called it quits. But was out out coaching in in California for I, I believe last year, and now bounces back to Rice to coach running backs. Uh, Robbie Picasso, who was the running backs coach the past two years, uh, quarterbacks coach the year before that, uh, he joined the Houston Texans. Uh, staff as an offensive offensive assistant under new head coach lovey smith which is go, going to take some time to get used to but <laughs> so he's moved on that opened up a spot for anderson and i'm i'm optimistic if nothing else it should be interesting
0: yeah um i i think it it, it always you know obviously the coaching resume isn't long at this point but um even just sort of getting the name of, a you know, a guy who was who was very well known as an NFL running back for a while and obviously is a Super Bowl champion is kind of a big thing at that point. At least you had to figure that out uh, have sort of some recruiting impact when, um, you know, a guy gets to show a Super Bowl ring uh, on a recruiting visit. So that's pretty <laughs> nice. Um, also welcoming back another, uh, former NFL player, this time, also a former Al, uh, Philip Gaines is going to, uh, the phrase we have here is help with corners, which presumably means he will not be a, uh, one of the main on the field coaches, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's always good to get owls back in the program and especially a guy with, uh, guy with the NFL pedigree that Philip has at this point.
1: Yeah. They've had a couple come in and, and check out practice and whatnot and stop by, but I'm trying to think. I think this is the first uh, former Rice NFL guy that is stuck around to help coach under Bloomgren. if I if I can remember, maybe. Yeah, it, it sounds about right. But yeah, I uh, saw him out of yeah. practice uh, this week and tossing footballs to the corners. And uh, again, it's one of those things like <laughs> getting to a. Uh, rub shoulders with somebody who who knows what you're going through, did it at Rice, and now I did it in the NFL. Um pretty exciting. And I think just in general, <laughs> on field, off field coaches, I don't think they're really something that, you know, most, you know, Saturday football fans or even the diehards really pay too much attention to. <laughs> the head coach is the guy who gets all the credit and all the blame. But I think from what we've seen from rice on the field so far that it's fair to say that some growth in the coaching aspect on both sides of the ball is something that we need to see. And so I don't know if I would have said I was concerned if there were no changes and I'm not saying that, you know, bringing in a couple more guys is going to magically wave the magic wand and fix it. But it is refreshing to see, you know, they talk about NFL curriculum. It's, I like to see NFL guys coming in to help coach and teach these players how to play, you know, like they want to get to the NFL. That's the aspiration. Right. So it's a net win in my book.
0: Yeah, it definitely helps the uh, the the credibility of that slogan to have some guys um, besides Bloom, I guess, obviously, and and uh, Tui as well. But, you know, the more guys you have that can credibly claim that, I guess it doesn't uh, hurt the brand, you know.
1: Yep, so that's the the coaching piece, and then I added one more note as we were going because it's gotten lost in the shuffle of of basketball and baseball and everything else that's going on, but Rice has adjusted their 2023 non-conference schedule. They've swapped out a game uh, that was scheduled to be at BYU, and now they're playing UConn at Rice Stadium instead, which... Home run. Sign me up for all of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think I've uh, been on record before as being like Rice should schedule some more uh, winnable non-conference games, and uh, UConn certainly qualifies as winnable. I would say so. Uh, yeah, I will. I will happily take that.
1: Yeah, here was my favorite kind of stat as I was doing some some digging, and so for those who who have lost track of all of the conference realignment and what chairs wound up where BYU is soon to be a member of the Big 12, which I had forgotten for a minute. Oh,
0: man, I forgot um, that, too. Right.
1: So in BYU, all of their schedule is kind of up in flux. And so as they have been rearranging their schedule to account for how uh, well, I, I have no idea how many conference games the Big 12 is going to play, how many teams are in the Big 12 will be. Is it going to be 10 uh, again?
0: Uh, it, 12. Uh, it's going to be 12. They're at 10. They're They're losing two. They're gaining four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is going to be 12 again. Look at that.
1: Wouldn't be a Rice podcast
0: without some math.
1: (laughs) Yeah, get on it, Big Ten. Um, Anyhow, so yeah, UConn, or BYU rather, going to the Big 12, needs to free up space for conference games and not play 12 one-off random opponents. So that kind of was the impetus, I guess, that helped Rice get out of that game and look for a better opponent and... All of that to say, my favorite kind of note nugget I found in here, that over the past two seasons, BYU reached a a top 10 in the AP poll in each season and finished with a combined record of 21-4. and Which is pretty good. UConn has 21 wins since 2013. (laughs) Woo! So when I chatted with athletic director Joe Carlgaard in December and just kind of said, you know, what are your takeaways from this season and and what is it, you know, the plan for football look like going forward? He laid out to me a non-conference plan that featured something actually that's going to be a lot closer to what we're going to see in, in 2023. Uh, You're going to have the, hopefully the rivalry game against Houston. You'll have, you know, a, a payday game, however you want to <laughs> stack yeah. that up. And this year it's USC in 2023, it's Texas. Again, you'll have an FCS game, uh, McNeese this year. And then you'll have another group of five game slash army. That should be a game that
0: is reasonably expected to be winnable. Yeah. Um, against a uh, peer type school, if you will. Right. From a competitive perspective. So if you have
1: a a decent football team, you should be hoping to get out of non-conference
0: play 500, which if you can yeah, do and that. You, and then, then you, you don't go, put yourself in the position of needing to have a winning conference record in order to make a bowl. Um, so that is a, yeah, the that, message that is of a this nice season to be in.
1: <laughs> the message of this season was received loud and clear. So, when that spot filled up, I think it's telling they didn't go uh of course, I guess 2023 uh non-conference spots are are, are full at this point, right? Since we're <laughs> but who knows. It's it's nice that they didn't go and try and get Arkansas or Oklahoma State. To say, would you like to play? I guess Oklahoma State was on the schedule before Arkansas. Which yeah, wouldn't have been equally painful cuz when Oklahoma State finished top 10. So, yeah. Yep. Alas, I still Last season, man. So yeah, were you, that
0: uh, remarkable Baylor play at the goal line uh, from potential – probably not, but, like, potentially being a playoff team last year, so. The Gundy effect.
1: <laughs> it's going to be uh, – oh, I'm blanking. The longtime uh, K-State head coach. Um, Snyder. Snyder. There you go. The always – B minus team.
0: <laughs> just uh, recruit a large, like tight end typed white guy to play quarterback, and you are set forever. That He's is probably the, like uh,
1: twenty seven by the time he gets yeah. there. <laughs> that was just uh, that one's the that one's the BYU plan. There you go. Speaking of guys who are twenty seven, not quite twenty seven, actually, I don't. How how old is George Nyackwall? He's not. He's he's entering his sixth season. <laughs> you see what I did for the transition there. Yeah, there we go. Older players, yeah. um, but entering his sixth season, and then uh, plug aside other piece of news for we kind of we reported this in shoot it would have been first week of February once rosters were getting finalized, but he has officially been approved by the NCAA for a waiver for a sixth season of college football. So Rice was expected to do a lot of reloading especially at safety. They have one less spot to fill. Uh, George Naikwal will be back on the fold in the fold after really missing the past two seasons. I think he played what a game last year and that was yeah, it. That so right. getting him back is huge for the defense. I've honestly almost forgot how huge because we haven't seen him since
0: 2019. Yeah. No, it's nice to get that steadying influence back with, uh with Naeem Smith gone, especially, and with some, some turnover at other spots, not necessarily, you know, you expect um, Chamberlain back and then, you know, you figure Gabe Baker is going to be a stalwart there going into what, I guess is third year now, but um, Gabe yeah. Yeah.
1: Gabe Baker hasn't Sorry. played for...
0: <laughs> yes, Gabe, Gabe Taylor, yeah. Um, but between we those take three... Gabe Baker back if he's... He's busy yeah. with his music, I think, but... Yeah, I feel like he might need some time to work back into football shape at this point, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that gets you a really good trio at safety, as many guys as they like to play back there, um, all guys that have a lot of experience at this point, so... Um... Puts, in a, puts them in a really solid position on the back end of the secondary, especially with a little turnover going on up front. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's going to be
1: big, and that kind of gets us through. That's what I have written down for things that have happened regarding Rice football in any degree from the first week of February to the first week of March, if that sounds right, unless there's anything obvious that I'm missing. They've played no games. <laughs> Hadn't really been been any transfers in or out. It's been pretty quiet since National Signing Day.
0: No, I think it's been pretty steady. Um, That that about covers it, I think. Wow. So we're done. 15 minutes. (laughs) There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tight and efficient. We're getting better at this. 2022 is really going to be our year. Yeah, we'll we'll get there.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Give us a couple more weeks at least. Uh, But... I guess the bulk of what we want to talk about, uh, spring ball. That's the, uh, the topic du jour. And I think, you know, I kind of like these episodes because we have very little written out in front of each other and kind of a couple ideas that we want to balance across and kind of see where each other is at, uh, in, in remind me. So what with everything going on in the world and we're not, this is not a political show. We're not going to get there, but, uh, I thought DEF CON ratings might be um, appropriate or fun or both for uh, how we wanted to uh, kind of go about these. So I kind of thought we could throw out, take turns kind of throwing out some questions, concerns, things we want answered. And then we could uh, assign DEF CON levels to how severe, uh, how how important it is to us that we get these things figured out in the spring. And if we do that, I need... How- is DEFCON 5 the most severe, or is DEFCON I think 1?
0: 1 is the most. It, it, it gets more severe as the number gets smaller. So I think 1 is the most serious.
1: DEFCON 1. Maximum readiness.
0: Yeah, there we go. There we go.
1: Oh, we got charts. There we go. This is not a good podcast <laughs> topic. But uh, DEFCON 5 is the lowest state. Normal, if you will. Very benign levels of concern. So, if that's that, uh, the first item that I think I have circled on my uh, maybe not priority list, but something that I really want to see in the spring, if we'll kick it off, uh, is the offensive line. Um, I guess just kind of setting the stage. Uh, Isaiah Klarkowski is going to be back on the offensive line. Isaiah Floyd has made the shift back to defense. Uh, And aside, we'll have a couple other position changes and stuff. We'll put those in the Patreon post for you guys. But that leaves, you know, frankly, a bunch of young guys that Rice has brought in. What, it's felt like what four 300 pound offensive linemen every single season under Mike Bloomgren, at least as it comes to recruiting. And this year, they are going to be without Javon Wolford, and uh, Cole Garcia has transferred out. It's going to be a bunch of the guys that we've talked about in our past couple recruiting episodes. And they're going to have to carry the load, and if I don't think we've seen great offensive line play yet under Bloomgren, the past four four seasons is that right? Five seasons, four uh, seasons. This yeah, will be yeah, five yeah.
0: going into five. Um,
1: so I'm going to put that at a uh, at a DEFCON four because they've been trying to bring in. Well, they've handed out a lot of offers to transfer targets on we keep those up to date on in our recruiting tracker. They got a lot of grad guys and a lot of transfers in the offensive line spot, but none of none of uh, ended up at Rice so far. They've gone other places. So if they're searching for the right fit on the tr- in the transfer portal and they have a bunch of young guys, they either need to find an answer this spring or they need to take somebody. So I'm going to go defcon 4 of I'm not freaking out, freaking out, but I could be there if I don't like what I see over the
0: next five to six weeks. Yeah. Um, I would actually put this one into two in the sense of um, if, if, if we're describing this as a state of alertness, I think this is a thing I am going to be watching very heavily. Not that you necessarily need to have like a starting five ironed out at this point, but like the roster is Relatively thin at offensive line right now. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys listed on the roster at offensive line now, which is not a lot. Um, and you need to figure out at this point, like you could probably stand to have at least one other just body on the offensive line. And they're obviously they're gonna be bringing in a couple of freshmen over the summer, but You don't want to have to rely on them. So it probably wouldn't hurt to bring in another uh, transfer body. And then you need to figure out at this point, like, does that have to be priority number one? Like, do you need to find a guy who can play right now on the offensive line? Um, Because there's a lot of turnover happening and a lot of kind of shuffling that's going to be going on. And it really, for me, is one of the top priorities that they find out. Is there going to be a quality starting five out of this group that we have? Or do we need to go and get someone who can play right away? Um, So for me, this is a pretty high priority. Not necessarily that things need to be settled after the spring, but you have to. uh, You know, they have what I guess there's been two practices at this point, so they have like 13 left. You got 13 more practices to figure out. Do you need another guy who can play right away, especially because like. You know, Clay Servant's back at tackle, but like, I assume presumably left tackle. But do you have a right tackle right now? Like, who, who do they have there? Are are, are any of these guys ready? Are the, you know, guys that they brought in like like Pepe and and um, uh, Ethan? Is it Onianwa? Onian Onianwa Onianwa is he are like, are these big guys that they brought in the last couple of classes? Are they like ready to play on the inside? Cause there's, you know, more space there now than there has been recently. So, um, again, yeah. not necessarily the things that need to be settled, which is why it's not DEFCON one. But for me, this is a really high priority in terms of like, you have to be able to kind of gather as much information as possible about this group in the spring. You know, compare that to something like, I don't know, linebacker, like, you're not sure who the linebackers are going to be at this point, but like they've got guys and you know, they're confident in those guys. And so that's not a spot that even if things aren't settled, that I'm necessarily worried about, but like offensive line, you need, you need to be ready to, to say like, okay, you know, what are we going to do about this position coming out of the spring? And you, you need to be able to gather good information on that over these next, you know, 12, 13 practices.
1: Right. And and one thing of the 11 that are listed on the roster right now, one of those is Floyd and he's moving back to defense. So
0: you're they did 10. actually, they made the change on the roster. I was just looking at that. They moved, oh, okay, him, perfect. they moved him to the defensive line. So that, that, that count does not include him. Okay, perfect.
1: So there's that. And it's going to be interesting. I don't think that Braylon Carroll um, is going to be able to go at all this spring. And honestly, they don't need him to. So you're going to have some, you know, Intrigue, I think, on the defensive line, but uh, no to Braylon Carroll. You'll have Isaiah over there. Uh, you'll probably have um, you'll have Trey Schumann and uh, a couple of the younger guys that we want to see. But it's not going to be probably, especially with with guys like Schumann, you know what he has. So you don't need to run him into the ground uh, in March, but it's going to be probably a a more green defensive line that they're going to be up against during the spring. So, uh, you know, I, I want you to talk me down off the ledge a little bit. So maybe, maybe I will, I'll, I'll recede if we see a couple practices and, and things are looking all right, but this offensive line needs to be able to move the ball against a, uh, DeBrayland Carroll, less, uh, defensive front, um, by the time they get through the spring, I, 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 I I'm going to be concerned if we get through practice or scrimmage to before the spring game and the defense is winning uh, every rep like has been in years past.
0: So, yeah, like defenses are often ahead of offenses generally at this point. But the way everything is setting up exactly like you were saying with the defensive line, especially on the interior defensive line, you're looking at such a kind of green group for Rice at this point that you really need because, you know, there's turnover, but it's not like they don't have guys who pl- haven't played plenty of football uh, on the offensive line. So you need to see those guys being able to consistently win against the group they'll put out there a defensive line. Yeah. OK, so that's where I'm at. That's one. What do you got? Um... <sighs> I mean, I hate to do it, but it's got to be quarterback, right? Boom. Um...
1: Who at quarterback?
0: Yeah, I mean... You, That's the you, question. <laughs> right. Um, I don't think this is a high. I guess I would put this at a... I don't know. like I, Let's say a three, like, above the low level because quarterback is such an important position but not super high because we saw both Wiley and TJ play winning football and and have really good games for Rice last season. Yeah. Um, all, both of them are in their third-plus third, third plus year in the program. I think Wiley's going into his fifth now. Yeah, because he's been here every season Bloomgren. Um, So you have experienced guys. You have guys that are certainly, in Wiley's case, very trusted in the locker room. Um, So it's not a panic level at this point. Obviously, they didn't feel the need to go out and immediately get, like, a grand transfer at quarterback. But, like, it would be nice to gain some confidence in those guys coming out of the spring. So even though this is not um, maybe as much of a question mark as it has been in the past, it's still got to, it's still got to kind of be one, you know?
1: Yeah, I I think it's fair. (laughs) Someday we won't be talking about the Rice quarterback situation, but for now we are. And one thing that I, that is, is very important that, I wasn't sure about Wiley was back for the start of spring practice and was able to participate fully 100% in team drills, uh, which is nice after seeing him go down. When was that injury in late October? I believe trying to Uh, remember. That
0: sounds right.
1: Yeah, it was right. Right after, I think so. It mid mid season. So not, 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 I mean, long ago, but not that long ago. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to go, but it looks like he will. So, him or TJ McMahon. So, if I kind of at the risk of altering history or re- revisionist history, I think if because Luke McCaffrey and the McCaffrey family had a pre existing relationship with Mike Bloomer and going back, um, You know, to their time at Stanford, obviously, with Christian McCaffrey, his brother. Uh, I think if that tie did not exist, that Rice would not have gone after a quarterback last summer in the portal. Um, I don't know if they were thrilled about their quarterback situation, but I think that was kind of the perfect storm that got McCaffrey to campus. And now with McCaffrey moving from quarterback, I kind of feel like they're at the same spot and it's going to be. It's going to be hard to unset Wiley, I think, in the spring because of how well he knows the system. And, and Wiley, Wiley's Wiley been one of the best practice players that Blumen yeah. has had in five years. He, he looks the part in practice and does everything right. It's just those, oh shoot, what, moments in games where he's kind of, things have gotten too fast for him and sped up. And then, unfortunately, he's gotten injured and lost the chance to redeem himself in some of those. So I, as far as DEFCON levels for quarterback, I'm going to flip. I'm going to go uh, with a two for the spring because I I don't think we're going to learn anything. Um, at least I, I don't expect yeah, I that we will. TJ McMahon is going to come in and compete. I know that there were some folks on staff at the end of last season that really thought that TJ was going to have, have a shot to win the job. And, and I think he will, I think there will be a a real competition, but I don't know. You have a team captain last year who the only reason he ended up not finishing the season was he suffered uh, an injury that kept him out. Uh, you know, on paper, <laughs> I don't, I don't see what, what Wiley, what TJ is going to do rather That is going to impress the coaching staff so much that they don't turn it back to Wiley, or at least if nothing else, like it's going to be an open competition going into the fall, even if TJ just dazzles in the spring. I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah, no, and then it's
0: it's definitely not going to get settled in the spring, that's for sure.
1: It could, that would be nice, yeah, but. (laughs) The only other thing of note uh, on the position switch is Giovanni uh, Johnson making the move back to quarterback after a two-month experiment, maybe, <laughs> at, at wide receiver, which uh, he looked really good in practice at wide receiver. I thought he was he kind of fit in really nicely, but Rice has a surplus of riches there, and they need probably need another guy at quarterback, but I mean... And it I think it's at least notable that Rice is now bringing back three guys that have won football games at Rice at quarterback, which they have kind of if you go back to the, you know, Sean Stinkavage and what uh, Evan Marshman, Wiley Green. I guess Jackson Tyner quarterback room of of, <laughs> yeah. of where this staff uh, got here of a bunch of guys that um, I guess some had played at rice before, but, but in, uh, the winning at the, the FBS D one level was not there. They, they have that now. So it is a better room than where they started. Uh, now it's just on those guys to find that, you know, speed up that middle clock and be able to, do it well. So I don't I don't know if we're going to learn too much. I I would love to be just absolutely impressed by TJ McMahon and be totally unsure as to what is going in uh through through the end of the spring. But at this point, I I think I'm going to say it's unlikely that Rice adds another quarterback to the roster. They won't do it before spring's over, but uh, it's unlikely that there's probably one added between April and June, but I think the next three or four weeks, I think if we see a situation where you know Wiley is struggling and TJ just doesn't have it. I, I think the look we'll see.
0: All right, what's your next one?
1: O line and quarterback. I have a generic, um offensive philosophy item okay that i am i'm defcon 3 on right now i'm like right in the middle of like i'm curious i have some concern i don't think it's going to swing to a 5 but what i want to know
0: is to one or either way <laughs> i don't know
1: that's what that's kind of i'm i'm undecided i there's enough angst in me that wants to know that I've put it right in the middle. We, we talked off the top of the show, uh, CJ Anderson coming in as the running backs coach. You have a transfer running back, uh, coming in from the Juco mm-hmm. ranks. You have Ari Broussard has quickly become one of the most reliable guys you've had in that backfield yeah. for a long time. That since the Walter brothers, maybe, um, you know, one of which turned into an NFL running back. So that's pretty good. Um, But yeah, so you have that coming in. You have the new guys on the offensive line, which I've talked about. And then you have just an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. Honestly, you you got Sam Crawford is on campus, the uh, transfer from Tulsa. You got Brad Rosner. You got Jake Bailey. Uh, uh, Luke McCaffrey is now at the wide receiver room. Those are what, four guys that you probably should have on the field because they're really good. And that uh, doesn't count Trey Patterson. And then you have, you know, a bunch of the younger guys, Andrew Mason got hurt and was on and off. We didn't really see him at all last year. And then some of the younger guys that they're bringing in, there are so many pass catchers that Rice has in the offense, And I kind of think that this spring spring is the perfect time to tinker. And experiment and kind of figure out, you know, what you want your team to be moving forward. We kind of saw a bit of a shift last year to not a throw-first team, but a team that was able to do both well uh, to some degree. Definitely better, I think, passing the ball than running the ball. Yeah. Uh, But Tui's offense, offense, and his influence on it was pretty clear. I want to know what the offense looks like at the end of the spring because I kind of feel like there's a potential here to amp up the uh, 2 twoiness, if if I can coin that phrase, huh. uh, the 2 of the offense by, you know, 23rd. And if you do that, this starts kind of looking like a, you know, maybe verbiage Southwest style, more complex scheme, but it kind of starts looking maybe more along the lines of a, a more traditional college offense that kind of skews a bit more toward the pass and uh, maybe the identity shifts a little bit. And I I think that could be a good thing. Or you, you kind of, I don't want to say revert, but you go back the other way and you kind of reinforce and, and lay back on the running game. And then you have all of those wide receivers that are catching, what, 25, 30 passes this season each? which I don't know if that makes much sense. So I, I kind of feel like we saw a shift in the offense last fall. And I want to see that, that same level of, of balance, if not pass too much for a little bit (laughs) or run super uh, well,
0: either. Like I, yeah, I, I I think the bare minimum is that the, the kind of run pass balance, or at least the philosophy behind when you pass and when you run is what it was last fall, because uh, like obviously, passing was the strength of the team uh, in terms of the offense, and I think you saw that become more apparent that they they knew that as a coaching staff. And you know, we had said this before. Like, I think there's been legit legitimate criticisms of of Bloom and the way he has, um, you know, clearly had his hand on the offense thus far. And you could see him kind of like let go of the reins a little bit and let Tui have the freedom last fall, and it worked for that team. Like they were better like when they needed to make a play on the offense they were throwing the ball like that was how that team was built and unless you know one of these running backs and just blows up and and the offensive line becomes that you know mashum power you know all the physically imposing things that you expected maybe for this offense to be four years ago unless that suddenly appears and you know hopefully they'll be better at it than they have been but like I don't expect I don't expect them to suddenly be this you know like 2015 Stanford or whatever but like you've got such a strong wide receiver group and a couple of veteran quarterbacks who can get them the ball effectively um at, at minimum the the kind of run pass Again, maybe not balance, but philosophy needs to be what it was late last fall. And I think, quite frankly, there's every reason to think that they should skew even more towards throwing the ball. Just because, like, that's that's just looking at the roster and looking at the guys they have at the positions. Like, it's, you know, if you if you look at this roster as a coach and you don't think this team kind of needs to base its identity around the passing game, like... It kind of feels like coaching malpractice at the, at that point, you know? Like good coaches adjust their offense or their schemes and their philosophies to the players they have. That's like football coaching 101 is like do what your guys do best. What's the um, you know, the the Jimmies and Joes over X's and O's. Like the the old adage, like you 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 do what your guys can do best. And that's that's the way this team is built. This team is built to throw the ball. Their, their best playmakers on offense are wide receivers. And they were, they've were they been best really the last couple of seasons when they've been able to throw the ball well, and especially last season when we finally saw, like, some real offensive, I don't know about consistency, but, like, that was the best offense we've seen yeah, by far, production. despite the constant turnover at quarterback and the the, like, you know, we talked about that where they kind of went through like three different eras of like quarterbacking and wide receiving where they had like guys being effective at quarterback and different wide receivers being like dominant in the offense. And now you've got all that again and you've got Brad Rosner coming back. So like I, and, and I, I do have some faith at will. I'm I'm hoping that the results from last fall continue to that. Like, there's no reason they should, you know, quote unquote, regress in terms of the offensive philosophy going into this spring uh, based on the way last fall went. Um, but I, I fully expect the offense to continue to be at least what it was last fall. And and that is what I expect and hope to see. And we'll be concerned if it's not like if it, if it goes back to more of an old and, you know, it, it's hard to tell in the spring because because. Teams are often using the spring as kind of a lab, and maybe you're working on things that you're not good at in order to get it better at them, because maybe that's less of a, a priority than playing to your... Maybe more of a priority than playing to your strengths, but when the rubber hits the road in the fall of 2022, I expect this team to to pass when it matters. Right,
1: and and I, I, I agree with, with a lot of what you said, and I think it's interesting because if you... I want, I want the cake and I want to eat it too. I I want to see them prove to me that they can run the football behind this, you know, reworked offensive line with the, the younger guys, but I also want them to throw the ball more. So both, but I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, call it a lab. That's they, that's what they kind of, you know, phrase this is they're going to try a bunch of different stuff. I know that part of the plan for the spring is to just scheme wise, try a couple things they haven't done and see what sticks. So, I'm, I'm just hoping that I see some creativity. If not, I like, I don't need to see the offense be, you know, in years past, I needed to see the offense move down the field and score touchdowns because I didn't know if they could do it. Honestly, um, that was a problem. And now we've seen that they can do it. So I'm less concerned about you know how many points the offense gets in the spring game and whether or not TJ McMahon throws for what 200 yards and three touchdowns again or, or something per, like preposterous that he did last year but I, I kind of just want to see the creativity I want to see um how the scheme adapts and and what kind of plays they're running and, and what personnel they have on the field if, if they can show me that they're still kind of you know able to oscillate back and forth between three tight ends and then five wide and then what are they going to do with Luke McCaffrey how is he going to touch the ball where is he going to line up
0: say i a 2.0 i do it i mean i i i think it's perfectly reasonable to like to have him playing the um what was it back when Denard Robinson, who played for Rich Rodriguez at Michigan when he was with the Jaguars, they listed him as like OW for offensive weapon oh, on the yeah, roster. Yeah, yeah, the uh,
1: uh yeah. You'll take the was it Debo Samuel's that the popular uh, oh, name yeah. nowadays. Luke will be oh, the Debo. the Rice
0: Debo. Um, but yeah, well, and and well, he was crazy in college. But anyhow, like, Denard. like, yeah, like having your cake as far as having your cake and eating it too, like. There's no reason, like, I think sometimes in philosophical battles, people think that that you have to kind of pick a side here. Like, there's no reason they can't be good at both throwing and running. Like, I, I think this team needs to have its <laughs> kind of central identity based in throwing the ball because that's what they're going to be best at. But, like, here's the thing. If you're consistently good at that, like, teams will have to play more too high. They'll have to take guys out of the box the safeties and linebackers that are flowing downhill in all these modern defensive schemes in order to fit the run are going to hesitate just a tick longer because they're going to have to hold those, those zones and hold those, those spaces against the pass. So like if you're good at throwing the ball, that helps you run it. Like it goes, it, it it always goes both ways. Like I think a huge part of the problem for Rice's running big game, the last several seasons has been like teams, first of all, know they're going to run and then, for most of the last four years did not have any reason to respect the passing game. And so they could just devote as many resources to stopping the run as they wanted and stopping the run. As long as the talent levels are roughly equal in football is largely a numbers game. It's a whole lot easier to run against a five man box than a six, than like an eight man box, no matter who you are. And if you can force some of those light boxes, then the running game gets a whole lot better. See more math.
1: (laughs) Uh, so, De- DefCon level. I'm, I'm, I'm a three. I'm in, in between. Where are you at on just offensive development philosophy as a whole?
0: Um, I will be optimistic here and say a four, because, no, like I said, wait. I don't think they're gonna. Yes. No. You're right. Four is less concerned. Yeah. Four is less concerned right. because I don't think after the way last season went, it would be really surprising to me if they went away from the changes in philosophy that they started to have. Like maybe it doesn't get like more wide open to the point where maybe like I would want it to, but, um, but I don't think it gets more. I I, I don't think it goes more old school, more, more run oriented than it, than it was late last fall. So I, I, I have optimism as far as the offensive philosophy goes.
1: All right. That's pretty good. Three, four. Somewhere somewhere couch to the positive side. I like that. With the <laughs> offense. Um, O-line, quarterback, offense. Uh, what else has us worried? What has you worried?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not worried? I guess the last big one for me, and maybe we can, can finish it out with this one. That'll be a nice two and two. Um, probably like interior defensive line. Um and I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go two on this one, because not only are you still waiting on to Braylon Carroll to come back and and hopefully he's everything he was before the injury. Um, but even if he is all the way back, you know, he is not. He's great. He's not what a one man defensive line. So you you're he's pretty still... close. <laughs> he's uh he's still working his way back. You lose Elijah Garcia, who was great last season. Um, who who do you have that that you know you can rely on on the interior defensive line? Um, obviously Isaiah Floyd has has the size, but he's really gotten more playing time at offensive line to this point. Um, you've got some big bodies now on the defensive line that you've started to bring in. Um, I, I like. I feel pretty good about Edge because you've got guys like Trey Schumann and you've got guys like Ken Orgy who have played a lot of football, and you you know you'll the get this back. Yeah, like you you've got some guys, and 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 obviously uh, Ken can can play kind of inside and out. But like, uh, I feel more confident in their kind of you know defensive end sized bodies than I do in the you know the guys who can play kind of you know like zero through four eye tech you know the, the the noses and the 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 defensive tackles like obviously assuming he's all the way healthy you've got Debraylon that you can rely on that's going to be a real weapon and I you know I've said before that I think interior disruption is one of the most important things a defensive can have but like who else who else is there like Hopefully Isaiah like you, but you you need to see somebody else step up at an interior defensive line position this spring. Like that is maybe the biggest priority for me on defense. Like they've got guys that we think will be good, uh, like optimism at linebacker. They've got a lot of guys who have played at quarterback, even if it's, you know, We'll 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 see how how things end up shuffling out. Uh, you know, we talked about the safeties; they've got guys you trust there, um, but who? And and again, and like defensive line is an area where you you shuffle a lot. So even if you have Braylin, you know, fully functional, you still need multiple bodies to play both interior spots. So you desperately need some guys to step up and and play consistent and play good at those interior defensive line positions. And I don't know who it's going to be right now. I think this is interesting because we've, we flip flopped on both
1: sides of the line. I was freaking out about the O-line uh, and you weren't or, or, or uh, pending not yet. I I kind of feel the opposite that you do about the defensive line. Uh, the concern you have, I kind of am a, a bit more optimistic. Uh, I think the the depth piece is probably the part that I I do share the most uh, level of concern about. Just because you know on the O line you're gonna you're gonna play five guys the whole game. Like you might throw in a couple, you know, that sixth man that they like to use as the ogre um, in some big packages, but it's the same five guys on the D line. Rice has and will rotate a lot. Uh, to keep their guys fresh. So you are going to have to find some guys. Uh, but I think this year we're finally, you remember like, what? when did DeBraylin and Isaiah come in? Was that three years ago now at this point? Yes. It would have been freshmen in 2019.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 The, so three years ago we, when they were coming in, we talked about, oh man, you could put Isaiah Floyd powerlifter, next to DeBraylin Carroll, who was, you know, Duncanville defensive MVP, state champion. Oh, that'd be fun. And we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> we're three years in. Yeah. So those two next to each other, I'm excited about. Uh, Blake Banish was kind of the um, the up-and-coming guy on the D-line that uh, first off bust, but we haven't seen yet. So I have a lot of expectation with him. And now Royal Morris is actually the guy who played a lot last season, especially down the stretch and, and got in action uh, when you had guys, other guys that were there um, and, and healthy and available. So those are two that, um, you know, on that next level. And that gives you four that I'm, I'm kind of curious about. Um, and then some other pieces and I just rice last year, you know, losing Elijah Garcia is is going to be hard. I think DeBraylen is going to mitigate a lot of that loss by what he can do. And if you can find, uh, you know, someone like Isaiah that can clog up space in the middle, you know, Last year was probably Rice's uh, worst uh, performance against the run on defense Definitely, uh, and probably yeah. like the last three seasons. Uh, and I looked it up and they were they were seventh in conference play uh, against the run um, yards per game allowed. Uh, so that was their that was their their low end. And they were they were average. They were fine. Like and obviously North Texas gashed them, but a lot of everybody else didn't. It was just ho-hum. So I don't really have concerns that this is going to be a line that can stop the run. I think getting to the quarterback is something that is going to be continuing to be uh, a focal point. And those are the experienced guys. As far as the, the guys on the yeah. roster that you would trust to do it, Orgy um, and Akena, um, Schumann, those are the guys who are supposed to know how to do that. So I don't think that's going to be a an aha for the spring. So, yeah, I'm... I'm kind of waiting to see who develops, but I kind of feel like they got enough bodies. But I, I think we've kind of circled, if nothing else, kind of like you said, putting a bow in this. We've circled the areas that we we, we these are the questions we're asking, right? These are the things that we want to leave. I guess April 16th is the spring game. Uh, as of right now, we want to leave the spring game and we want to have ample answers to O-line, D-line. Quarterback and what the offense looks like, and I think most of those seem pretty achievable. If I'm not being too optimistic, am I being too optimistic?
0: No, no, I think so. Um, Like, yeah, just like I mean, like I identify a group at at a line, find some guys on the interior defensive line. get the uh, showing that you hope you get out of the quarterbacks, given their experience Um, show that you're committed to this offensive philosophy. And those are the major questions I have. I feel pretty good about most of the other position groups. So make, you know, give me some assurance uh, for these things and I'll, I'll feel pretty good about the chances this season.
1: Oh, in if I can, can I cheat and add one more? Let's do it. Uh, make field goals.
0: Oh, yes, please. <laughs> I, not... pl- I really don't need a, um, like, an O for 3 from, you know, like, missed a 30-yarder, missed a 25-yarder, made one from 32, and, you know, got How... 3 blocked from beyond. Th- don't give me that in the spring game. My heart can't take it. How, like peak college
1: football fan would it be for (laughs) uh, I will I will be at a practice on a random Wednesday afternoon in March and I'll tweet out uh, you know I guess Tim Horn transfer from Washington Tim Horn uh, just missed back-to-back field goals from 45 yards um, and there will be a Rice fan that combusts because oh, yeah. Of I'll be the one, one personally, personally it's,
0: tweeting it's... doom and gloom in your mentions <laughs> in the spring.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I so they got him. They they got another, um, I guess, a walk on coming in uh, the summer. Who will be here from Houston and then uh, a freshman coming in and they have another transfer coming in from Oh, I want to say smart. Is it, is it Georgetown? I want to say Georgetown,
0: but I don't, he will be here. um, One of them has to be able to consistently hit field goals from inside 35 yards. Right. That's all I ask. Like Connor, anything anything beyond that. Yeah. Anything beyond that is a bonus inside 35 yards. You got to hit it.
1: Also, but to give from Georgetown, I was right. Look at me go at my one of three kicker, but that's what I want to get to Uh, Bloomgren and the staff brought in three kickers. Or will be bringing in one for the, one for the spring, but two more coming uh, for fall camp. They brought in three kippers. so if if they've not, if we're we have to give them credit for at least taking notes and paying attention. <laughs> that this is something <laughs> that
0: needed to be the, solved. Yeah, they are aware there is a problem. And if nothing else, you That's know the, the women's
1: soccer team is pretty good, so I'm sure we could find in Van, Vanderbilt's uh, the the female kicker. She was the the
0: goalie, right? From yeah, from yeah, a, yeah. A soccer team. I'm just saying, like, if we need. Uh, yeah, go... at least to like kick the extra points, like, come on.
1: They can kick. <laughs> there you go. Uh, final point. Um, hopefully you can find someone in your roster and not reach out to the soccer team. Um, to do it, the soccer team would be great, but, you know, you're you should find college football players, not soccer players. That's that's your job. <laughs>
0: Well, all right. I think I think that sums up our, you know, I actually feel better after going through that. I felt like I had more questions coming in and then we kind of talked through that and I was like, OK, well, no, there's 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 there are fewer areas of concern here than I thought there were. So. Um, yeah, that it, right yeah. down the middle on most of them. Yeah. So uh, we we have some some concerns, some things to watch. Um but the the spring is where we start to figure that stuff out. So uh, we'll be excited to watch it, and hopefully you'll be listening along with us as we talk it through. So uh, we'll be back. Um, not sure what our our off season schedule is going to coalesce. We will probably move to an every other week schedule at some point very soon. Um, but this is kind of the start of the the consistent off stuff for us. So we hope you join us as we. Uh, begin the long build up to the 2022 season now so we'll uh, see you soon and rice fight this show was edited and produced by carter spires it features music from joseph mcdade